and welcome to episode number 95 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big news, all the big happenings, all of the craziness that is going on in this gambling industry. And as always, guys, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google as well. So please go in, give us that review, give us a five-star one. We would appreciate that. Help us climb up those rankings and more people will be able to find this podcast on their own. So we really do appreciate that at the lines us at PlayPix us. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine, Brett, you came to me and had an idea of, Hey, as we move into the beginning of March here, we are sitting on Monday, March the 2nd, as we record this, that might as well go ahead and just do a full on March madness preview podcast well in advance here, but to give people kind of the lay of the land and where we set as we head into tournament time. And I thought it was a great idea. We were able to catch up with, uh, former coach at Seton Hall at Manhattan University, Bobby Gonzalez. So be, be sure and stick around for that. We have a great interview with him where he breaks down everything top to bottom that goes into the making of a tournament team and what goes on in the locker room with those tournament teams as well. And so just a full on March Madness podcast here on March the 2nd. Yeah, we haven't gotten into the conference tournaments yet. They start tomorrow. I think the Big South and the Horizon and a few others get, get tip off tomorrow. But yeah, great interview with Bobby. Uh, a guy who has actually coached uh, an up, a first-round upset. So it's nice to have that perspective from a guy who, who sees the game a little differently than we do and uh, has been involved with it for so long. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. This will be a good little primer for people who are maybe haven't been following college basketball closely uh, throughout the season, but now it's time. As you mentioned, the conference tournaments are getting going here. Selection Sunday is March the 15th, so you'll be paying attention to that. Then we just have games beginning just a couple days later, March the 17th. Then the full-on first round begins on the 19th of March. And then we will wrap this thing up in that first week in April. In April. So we uh, have a you know solid, solid month of just basketball tournaments all over the place. And of course, you know, outside of just the, the March Madness in NCAA tournament, there, there will be the NIT. There will be a couple of other little uh, tournaments as well that go on out there that there'll be betting opportunities for those in maybe even Brad at the end of the day, maybe even some better betting opportunities where the bookmakers are going to have to be paying so much attention to March Madness itself that maybe some of those NIT lines, maybe some of those other tournament lines might not be as sharp as we're used to seeing in uh, in college basketball because, hey, look, I mean, we know that this is the biggest betting event of the calendar year for all of these sports books. Now, not single day, obviously that is Super Bowl, as you guys know, but over the course of the entire tournament, they take more handle on the uh, March Madness tournament than they do even the Super Bowl. So this this is uh, something really, really big. And again, if you've never, I think we mentioned this even a couple of weeks ago, but if you've never taken in one of these uh, big events out in Vegas as well. I, I would highly recommend giving it a go at least once in your life, being able to sit in a sports book and soak up that atmosphere of people who've flown in from all over the corners of the earth here to come and, and do this. It's really is something special. Yeah, I need to get out there. I still have not seen that yet. I've seen all the videos of, you know, the, the round round one is just special. Cause I mean, that's, that's where a lot of the money comes in and, and people are just excited about it. the, the, the madness starting really good point about the NIT there though, too. I would love to talk to like a pro better who kind of maybe doesn't focus as much on the NCAA tournament and, and onto the NIT because less attention is being paid there. 
So um, that that's that is pretty interesting. I, I would like to talk to a better who who does that focuses on the NIT rather than the NCAA tournament. As uh, as you sit here and you start to thumb through your sports books, and if you're looking at DraftKings over on the East Coast right now, you'll pop it open and you can see that you can go ahead and bet, as you would imagine, on a futures team here to win the whole thing. Uh, Kansas and Baylor and Gonzaga all coming in at, at less than ten to one. Actually, Kansas at seven to one, Baylor and Gonzaga both at nine to one. Then you start getting into some of these other teams that have, you know, at times looked like the best teams in the country and then at other times have started to slack where you got Duke and Dayton and Louisville and Maryland all coming in at under 20 to one. Then at that point on, Brett, pretty much every team out there after that is 20 to one or longer. Uh, Auburn, Florida State, Kentucky, San Diego State, Villanova, Michigan State and Oregon, all these teams that have at one point in time or another gotten a lot of buzz this season, gotten a lot of hype and you know, we just continue to see these teams get knocked off. And so that's why we have the, these odds sitting where they're at right now. You know, the the shortest favorite you can bet is seven to one in Kansas. And I tell you what, I would never do that with the way that things have been going in NCAA basketball. I can't see myself, Brad, actually betting a team less than 20 to one if I'm taking a futures outright right now. Well, yeah, especially not Kansas right now. I mean, this is the highest price point they've been all season. And we talked to DraftKings last week and they said 28% of all national championship handle has been on Kansas this year. So that's, that's obviously driving their number. Um, yeah, I, I think it's wide open and I've been kind of like plucking long shots off the, the futures market. If I see a good number, I did, I started doing it last month and I'm, I'm beating the market in several spots. So that's kind of where I'm looking right now. It's kind of this mid tier between like plus 2000 and plus 5,000 just for an opportunity on a team like a, a Creighton or a San Diego state that has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. It's kind of crazy to say San Diego state because they've been ranked in the top four or five for all, for all the year, but they're not getting a lot of bets from the public. So, I mean, their, their number is still pretty high. There's, I think there's still plenty of opportunities here in what is a very wide open uh, field this year. And as you pop open your, you know, your either your DraftKings app, or if you're doing it on a desktop, you'll also be able to see that you can bet just to make the final four. So they will allow you where you don't have to bet the outright championship winner, you are able to bet just to make the final four. All the odds kind of kind of align as you would have seen in the future book for the championship, Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, Duke, Dayton, Louisville, Maryland, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you're getting shorter odds there, but at the same time, Brett, your team doesn't have to go all the way. Now, am I going to be laying money to, to, to make one of these bets? No way. I mean, Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, to make the final four, all at minus numbers, which for me is just insanity again with the way that the college basketball season has gone this year. So no way in the world I'd be betting any of those teams at minus money. But you can take a look at some of these other teams at plus money. Some of the ones you were even talking about that are a little bit under the radar. And again, that's just to make the final four. San Diego State at four and a half to one. Michigan State at five to one. If you want to go even deeper with some of these other teams, a Creighton at 13 to one an Iowa at 14 to one stuff like that. And again, that is, they do not have to go ahead and win the next two games. They just have to make it to the final four. Yeah. I love the final four bets because it's such an accomplishment to reach the final four. So it's almost like winning a national title in its own. So I I've got plenty of these. Usually if, if I bet a future, I'll bet a team to make the final four and then a smaller bet on the national championship just to get exposure to both in case 
that team does go on to win the national championship. Right. You don't want to be sitting there holding that final four oh, ticket and then God. the guy, and then they go on and win it. And you're like, why the hell didn't I just yeah, do Yeah. You've got to have some exposure to that. If you like a team, definitely have a little bet on them to win the national championship. The other way that is pretty interesting. And this is the one that if you're sitting in a sports book in Vegas is always one of the very most fun bets that you're, that is able to, uh, to, to get done each and every single, every single game in that first couple of rounds is the first to 15. And let me tell you, if you don't think that is a sweat and not only is it a sweat, Brett, but it happens so early in the game. So you're cashing a ticket like right when a game starts, essentially. But that race to 15 points, you're sitting in a sports book and you just wonder why a crowd erupts out of nowhere. And you look around, and you go, oh, a team must have hit 15 points or whatever in one of these on one of these screens up here. And that's exactly what goes on. Uh, they did have those bets available at DraftKings and FanDuel last year as well. And I can't recommend those enough. Again, don't go crazy betting these, but it does give you an instant gratification bet towards the beginning of these games, which again, it's always nice to get one uh, to get a winner in your account right at the beginning of one of these games. So what makes this event so great? There's so many different ways to get action. And especially if you're inside a sports book, people just yelling and screaming through the entire game. It's, it makes it uh, just so exciting. And I, man, I really need to, I, you know what, now that we have a, a sports book in Buffalo, it's a really small sports book. I, I might just head down there. Uh, on that first weekend, just to see what it's like down there. It's not going to be quite like the Vegas experience, but no, I, I definitely been missing out. That'd be a good thing to report back on, though, just to see yeah. how it is and just in, in the other places as well. So um, actually, if you're if you're out there and you do take in the first couple of days of March Madness at any of the books, you know, whatever, Mississippi and Pennsylvania and any of those places, uh, let us know how, how it is and what the atmosphere is like. We'll certainly talk about it here on the podcast. Just hit us up again on Twitter at the Lions US, at PlayPix US, and you can get me and Brett individually on Twitter as well. Certainly would love to hear from you guys. Now we're going to talk to head coach Bobby Gonzalez here. Uh, again, uh, Seton Hall, Manhattan University, some great, great insight with just exactly what goes on inside the locker room and what he's looking for in a team that could actually make a run at the Final Four here. Here's our chat with Bobby Gonzalez. Now join us here on the podcast. Very excited to have Bobby Gonzalez, former head coach at Seton Hall, Manhattan University men's basketball teams. He's probably you've probably seen him on ESPN, NBC Sports, all over the place. And he has taken some time to chat with us here as we head into it is March now and it is time for madness. So, coach, thanks for taking the time in. Really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, Brett. You know, I'm excited that, as you mentioned, March is the best month of the year. I mean, I'm biased. My birthday's March 18th, but, uh, you know, you just can't beat March Madness. It's just, uh, it's a special time, and and uh, everybody in the country usually gets involved. It's a pretty exciting three weeks. So, Coach, I'm thrilled to have you on the show because we talk, we talk to a lot of sports betting guys and media personalities throughout the year who watch from the sidelines and give their opinions and takes, and they set odds. And that's great. A lot of smart people in this industry. But having somebody who's actually been there gives us a unique perspective. And certainly, I think a helpful one is we're putting together our brackets and our bets for the month uh, because we all want a well-rounded process that covers all angles. So what do, what do you think you see as a high level coach that most people don't see when looking at these matchups in March? And, and how could betters use it to their advantage? I think a big, big thing is, and you saw last year, you know, uh, uh, Chris Beard, I think that, you know, guys that, you know, really, you know, again, Tom Izzo sort of set the blueprint on this and it's easy to just throw out, you know, the word defense 
and culture and stuff like that. But I think that teams that, you know, Bob Huggins and teams, teams that are just, they defend, you know, you know, cause what happens sometimes you get in a tournament, guys are having an off day shooting or, you know, their offense isn't there or they're on a neutral site or they're tight or they're struggling or maybe the top player is a bad game. I think teams that can defend and rebound, you know, those, those guys that do that play that, that, that are coaches that, that coach that kind of system that, you know, like Tony Bennett last year, we won the national title. I know his style of play is not so exciting. They play 56, 54, that kind of thing. But I think what to look for is, you know, coaches that really do a great job of defending rebound and their teams do that all year, even in conference play, because that stuff travels, you know, defense, rebound, rebounding, you know, that, 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 that's going to get you a win in the tournament when maybe your offense isn't there, you're not shooting the ball great. And, uh, you know, and your offense is struggling. So I, I, I look for guys that, you know, just are, you know, great defensive coaches and guys that are usually tough and they care about, you know, defense and rebounding. Those things to me are, are really the most important. And like they say, offense sells tickets, you know, defense wins games or the other offense, you know, sells tickets, defense wins championships. You know, you need the offense. It's exciting. And the teams that are great offensively are the ones that, you know, you want to watch and that's the ones the fans want to pay for. But on the other hand, I think teams that advance and move and do great in the tournament are usually teams that can defend, especially in the half court. Coach, are you a full body of work guy or are you kind of what have you shown me lately type guy whenever we look at the NCAA tournament bracket and how they're going to seed these teams? I mean, just so much, I mean, so many teams that have kind of popped in and out of those top five spots all year long. And now even in the top 12 teams can't seem to to get the wins that they need here. So uh, as we head down the stretch, do these games mean even more to you in your eyes as we kind of get close to tournament time? Or are you really going back and looking over the, you know, the full course of the season? Well, I think you, you, you ask a very, very, it's a great question. You know, I, I kind of try to look at the whole body of work because you want to study, you know, you know, what big wins they had during the year. How were they at neutral sites and, and traveling and on the road? You know, was there injuries involved? You know, that kind of thing. But on the other hand, you know, it's such a key thing to play your best basketball at the right time in March. You know, you look at teams like right now, like Kentucky, John Calipari, you know, obviously he's the blue blood team, you know, Kentucky, but, you know, he's won eight in a row. They're playing the best basketball of the season right now. And when you see a team like, you know, like a coach Cal, you know, that gets one and done type guys, you know, you want to know that they're making improvements and the young guys are getting better. So I, I think both those things are important, but I think that certainly here right now, you see who's desperate, who's hungry, you know, Mick Cronin, you know, has turned it around at UCLA where they've won seven in a row, you know, to Providence was dead in the water a month ago. Now, all of a sudden they beat five quadrant one wins and they're going to, you know, probably, you know, looks like they're definitely going to make the big dance. So I think, you know, you got to look at, you know, kind of both things. And I think certainly the teams that are playing the best basketball now, especially when you know you started out with the Michigan State or the Kansases and, you know, some of the teams that were favored in the beginning of the year that may have gone through their ups and downs, if they're playing great basketball right now, you know, like Baylor and teams like that, you, you, you know, Kansas, you got to kind of say, well, look out because, you know, in Michigan State, who said a great win the other day against Maryland, you know, these teams were picked and they could win it all. And all of a sudden now they're playing really, really good. So, so I think I probably lean towards the second half of your question a little more because it's just so much momentum. We've we've seen teams get hot and go on a six game, uh, you know, six game run in the tournament. Villanova, uh, Jay Wright's teams. Uh, I, I think back to Kemba Walker with UConn, that that upset team that you know Jim Calhoun had there. And that was just you know they got hot and they won the Big East championship. And everyone thought, well, 
you know, they won the biggest championship, you know, can they go in the tournament and do it? And they just went on and won like six or eight or whatever it was in a row. They won the national title. It's pretty amazing. So I, I think your second part of your question, I really, really think is a big key. Let's dive into some fundamentals here. You talked about the importance of defense, but I'm looking at Ken Palm here. Nine of the last 12 national champions have finished with a top five adjusted offense. Uh, defense has obviously been important too, if you're looking at recent samples, uh, but what specific metrics should we be paying attention to most when preparing for the tournament on offense or defense? Well, one of the things I love is if you look at a team like Dayton, who, first of all, again, in the, in the one and done era, it's hard to be old in college basketball. It's hard to get old. It's hard to stay old, meaning, you know, veterans, seniors, guys that have been there for three, four years, 22, 23 years old. But you look at a team like Dayton, they lead the country right now in field goal percentage. Now, they're very, very close to the vast half-court offense, you know, possession team, run, you know, run their stuff. Anthony Grant's done a great job there. You know, he, he's a, uh, that's his uh, alma mater. He played there uh, one, at, you know, at one time. And, uh, you know, I, I love his team, Obi Toppin, who's you know, going to be an NBA uh, forward in the first round, dra- you know, first round draft pick, 6'9", very, you know, ultra talented, athletic guy, high flyer. But I love Dayton because, you know, they, they, they're veterans, they have a veteran team, and they lead the country in field goal percentage. I think teams like that offensively, those are really, really key stats because in the tournament, similar like the NBA and, you know, when playoff times come, all of a sudden now you've got to be able to get a basket in half court when things slow down, when it gets tight. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly easier uh, it's harder to speed the game up than it is to slow it down. You know, it's easier to slow the game down. And usually when you get in the tournament, you start getting into possession basketball. And again, that's when, you know, half court defense becomes key. Not as many people press like they used to and play up tempo. There is some up tempo teams out there, of course, that, that run and look to score like an Auburn Bruce Pearl. But, um, but again, I think that a, a key stat would be like field goal percentage like Dayton, I think that, you know, in the past, North Carolina, of course, is having, you know, their worst year in, in history or in recent memory. But in the past, I think Roy Williams' teams used to always lead the country or be in the top three or four in in possessions, uh, how many possessions per game, because they were a, a, a block out, get a rebound and push the ball up and try to get, you know, a lot of fast breaks and get more shots than the other team. So I think that was a key stat offensively in terms of who leads the country in the most possessions and and so there's two different ways to look at it. It's, you know, who's effective with the way they play with running it and then who, when they slow it down or play half court day basketball are, you know, are very good percentage wise and getting a basket uh, most of the time in their possessions. And then of course, you know, you certainly look at personnel and players, you know, uh, you know, you know, Again, unfortunately, there's a kid like James Wiseman who won't be in the tournament who was at Memphis. But, you know, you still have, you know, some lottery pick type guys and some great. Certainly, there's some big men this year. Luke Garza at Iowa, I think, is, you know, having an incredible year. He's up for player of the year in college basketball. You know, um, you know, then, you know, there's some there's some really terrific guards in the in the Big East, like Marcus Hollow is leading the country in scoring for Marquette, Miles Powell at Seton Hall. Um, so, you know, I think there's some interesting players, even though there may not be a Zion Williamson, just like one superstar or a LeBron James type, uh, you know, you know, difference maker in the tournament. I still think there's some there's some players out there that that maybe the rest of the country is going to get very familiar with if they can get on a roll with their teams, you know, in the next couple of weeks, and, you know, and their teams can get hot. Uh, you know, Kansas has as a who's, you know, a throwback center, a big Nigerian kid who's 
just when he gets the ball anywhere near the pain, he's just so big and strong, like a kind of a college version of Shaquille O'Neal. You just can't stop him. So I think there's still some very interesting players. So I would look at, you know, the personnel and then the style of play, the possessions, and then the, the effectiveness of their field goal percentage or their shooting percentages, and certainly the three-point line, which is you know really more of a big NBA thing, and they've moved it back this year in college basketball. But any team that's you know that has three or four guys that can make a lot of threes that are dangerous that way, that are perimeter-oriented, are always you know a team that could come in the tournament and you know do ups and get a, an upset, especially these mid-majors like a Vermont. And, and these kind of teams that, that play that style, Belmont, you know, East Tennessee State, they, they, you know, they get in the tournament and they got all these guys, Stephen F. Austin, and they shoot threes and all of a sudden if they get hot, they make 8, 10, 12, 15 threes. You know, you can knock off anybody on a given day if you shoot the ball and you get on fire from three-point line, from the three-point land. Coach, you mentioned veteran teams a couple of different times in there, and we've seen them, we've seen some of these teams that, have played together for multiple seasons, have really good success in the tournament. Just how much do you think experience and, and veteran leadership actually plays, uh, you know, a role in the success of the tournament? I, I really believe it's, it, it might be one of the single, you know, most biggest factors in the tournament. Now, again, not to say that young teams can't come along with great talent and just get hot. But I just think, you know, you look at last year's Virginia team with Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. You know, I love teams that have veteran guards. I think, you know, there used to be a line, like my old friend, uh, God rest his soul, Mr. Garfinkel from Five Star, used to, we used to have a line he used to say, and I used to say it a lot. And that was, uh, you know, uh, it's the, all, the, all the big men are the same. It's the guards that make the difference. Now, again, in the NBA, that would be difficult to say because, you know, guys like, you know, Giannis at the Kumpo and, and, you know, Anthony Davis and, you know, you know, Joe Embiid. I mean, in the NBA, there's such dominant big men that you can't rule them out. But in college, even though there is some good big guys that I mentioned already earlier, I think that when people have veteran guards, great leadership, you know, senior point guards, you know, like Kansas with Devon Dotson, who he is only a sophomore, but he started every game since he's been there for two years. You know, you look at Michigan State with, of course, Cassius Winston, who might be, you know, the best veteran guard in the country, you know, and you got great coaching, Tom Izzo and Michigan State, which is a battle-tested Big Ten team. The Big Ten's going to put 10 teams in the, probably 10 teams in the NCAA tournament this year. They're probably going to get the most. And then maybe after that, it'll be, you know, the Big East and the Big 12 with six or seven. But but I think you look at a Michigan State with Cassius Winston. So, I, you know, I love teams that have veterans. I love teams that have veteran guards even more so. So I think... If you have a great backcourt and you have leadership in the backcourt, they control the ball. They kind of control the tempo. They're the, they're the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands when it gets down to the wire and it gets into close games and tight games. So I, I look for teams. I think Baylor has very good guards also. Uh, so I, I love teams that have uh, certainly that are older, that are veteran type teams, which I think is one of the reasons when you get these mid-major Cinderella upsets, my team at Manhattan, when we beat Florida, we had Lewis Flores, who was a senior. We had a battle tested team of guys that were, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old, because we, we had stayed together two, three years. We got really good, got to the tournament, played Carmelo in Syracuse the first year, got beat, came back the following year and beat Florida and lost a week with Chris Paul. You know, we were, we were ready. You know, we were, we were a tough veteran team. So I think any teams that, that are, are older, that are veterans, I think are very dangerous in the tournament, but especially when you have great leadership from, in the backcourt and, and veteran guards, uh, those teams usually advance in the tournament. 
I want to ask you about region selection and travel in the tournament. One team that I've already bet on to make the final four and then win the national championship is San Diego state. My concern is that they end up with a one seed and then they're sent out East. I think I would almost rather them get a two seed and stay out West. Am I off base here? How much does travel really matter during the tournament? No, listen, I, you know, sometimes we coach as coaches, you know, I know I'm not as bad as, as superstitious as I was because I'm not coaching right this minute, but coaches make a big deal, of course, about sleeping in your own beds or being near your region or your fans or, you know, being in your, you know, near your building or being in familiar settings and surroundings. So I, I think you make a great point. I think a team like San Diego State, by the way, you know, I need to give a shout out to the West Coast this year. You know, I'm East Coast biased. I'm a New York guy. And I always thought, you know, the East Coast, toughness, Big East, all that. But let me tell you something with Gonzaga this year, San Diego State, uh, some of the teams in the Pac-12, I like Oregon as a sleeper team. I think the West Coast is really strong this year. You know, certainly Gonzaga is probably going to be a one seed. San Diego State, as you mentioned, could be a one seed. That's two teams right there from the West Coast. San Diego State, of course, win 26 in a row before they finally lost the game. Uh, you know, I love their team. I think they're definitely a final four capable team, but I think you make a great point. I do think it makes a big difference. I think, you know, the, the Dukes of the world or there's some of these East coast teams are certainly looking to try to get into Albany or, you know, New York for the sweet 16 in the garden uh, region, you know, staying in the East coast. So I think West coast teams would certainly rather not have to get used to cold weather. They'd much rather stay out in the West Coast with the warm weather and, the, and you know, what they're used to and the time zones and the travel zones and the flights. And uh, now sometimes it does help if you find out early, you know, once you know, and some guys get it right out of the way, they want to fly and get acclimated and get there three, four days early and get settled with that three-hour time difference or something like that. Sometimes, again, coaches may make too big of a deal out that stuff, but I think you make a great point. I really, I always felt that it made a big difference. And I, I, does, I do think it can help and hurt teams depending on their seedings and their, their pairings and, and where they get sent. Coach, haven't been there, done that. Let's talk a little bit about actually coaching in the tournament itself. Whenever you're preparing these guys, I mean, I think one of the things we, we do have to remember, we are talking 18, 19, 20-year-old kids and knowing that some of these teams are going to be playing on television for the first time, basically in front of a big audience. There's a lot of things that, <laughs> that, that go on with some of these guys. So wh- what are you what are you telling every, your team? You know, what is what are these coaches doing as they head into this tournament? Are you basically just trying to keep everyone calm and and make sure that they aren't going out there and, and playing with too much adrenaline there at the beginning of a game and, and stuff like that? I mean, is this just basically prepping these guys as, hey, this is just just another game on the schedule here? Well, you, by the way, you guys ask tremendous questions. You guys have really done your homework, really good stuff. I mean, I mean it sincerely. I, I tell you, it's a great point, and I learned it kind of the hard way. You know, the first year we got in the tournament, we were so excited just to begin it. We were sort of shaking hands and kissing babies and just enjoying it, and like so excited that we were sort of looking around like a tourist that when we got there, you know, we were still ready to play because I, I wanted my kids to enjoy it, but I think it's a fine balance. And I think, you know, we got beat that first year. When we came back the second year, we were sort of a little more like, you know, all business, like, like we're going to enjoy it, but we're not just happy to be here. We want to stick around for a while. So I think as coaches, you know, if you're in a group blood and you're at a veteran type team, that's kind of used to going to the tournament every year, you want to sort of not down, you don't want to downplay it. So your kids don't enjoy, you know, they don't understand. You want them to understand, Hey, this is a big deal. You know, it's a reward from all our hard work all year. The tournament is special, but on the other hand, you don't want to get too distracted where, you know, you, you, you know, you want to make sure that you're keeping business as usual 
and you know you're not getting too crazy with the tickets and the the request and the and the fans and the friends and the family and the media and the TV stuff. So it is a balance, and you do have to sort of lock your guys in a bunker a little bit and get them to understand, hey, you know what, this is a business trip. You know, we're here to we didn't just come to enjoy it. We want to, you know, we came to win. I think that what happens, especially for the mid majors or the upset Cinderella type teams in the early rounds. What happens is the pressure is more on the big, the big blue bloods and the big boys in the first two rounds because they're come, they can come in a little bit with, we got a lot to lose. They have the most pressure. The teams that have nothing to lose that are not expected to be there. The upset teams, the 16 seeds, the 15 seeds. I was a, we were a 12 seed and we won a game again, of course, against Florida. We were a 14 seed and almost beat Syracuse. So I've been a double digit seed. And, you know, and then I've seen some teams, I was part of some teams with Pete Gillen as an assistant coach, where we were more like a, not favorite, but we were a higher seed, uh, eight seed, 10 seed, uh, seven seed. And I think that what happens is the early rounds, the fans will come to the games. And if the game is tight, all of a sudden teams start playing not to lose instead of playing to win. People start rooting for the underdogs and the underdogs have no pressure on them. And they just get very excited and that, you know, they're just like trying to prove themselves. They got a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove they belong. And you get all these players that want to prove that they should have gotten a scholarship in the big 12, the ACC, the big East, the SEC. So they're like starving to get their attention on TV. Whereas some of these other big, big boys have been on TV every week all year. So, you know, upsets can happen in the early rounds. So you want us to tell your, if you're a blue blood, you want to survive in advance. You just want to, you don't care if it's ugly. You just want to get past the first round. You don't care if you win by about half a point, you know, you're just trying to, you know, just survive that first one, first round or two. So I think with the favorites, the pressure is on early and you get, you get stronger as you go along. I think with the underdogs, you're trying to go in there and uh, really just be proved that you can play and be really hungry. And uh, you know, and you're feeling no pressure in the, in especially early on. So I think it's the mindset of what kind of team do you have? Uh, where, what school are you coaching at? And have you been there before? And is this your first experience? And, you know, and I think the, the final thing I'll say that I think I learned also that helped our team. I think you got to look at teams that win championships. In other words, if a team won the regular season title, if a team won their tournament title, like when I was in the Mac, it was so much pressure to win that Mac tournament. And if you didn't win that tournament, you were in a, like a one bid league and you could get left out because you weren't going to get in that large bid. I think teams that win those that, that, that survive that, it's excruciating pressure. Teams that win those one-bid leagues or teams that won championships during the year, whether it's Maui or uh, the Bahamas or, you know, I think teams that win championships, I think that counts for something. You know, they've been tested. They know what it's like in a two-, three-day event to, to have to, you know, play a game and then get right back up two days later and play another big game. So that's another key thing. You get in a tournament, you win on a Thursday – and all of a sudden, everyone's celebrating and going nuts. You got to turn right around and play again on a Saturday, and that's what's really hard surviving those weekends. You know that you got to play them sort of in like a two-game tournament. You know, you want to get through the first two games, and now you're in the Sweet 16. You get through the next two games, you're you know you're in the Elite Eight, Final Four. You know, so I think that's another key as to how you you want to prepare your team. Uh, you know, depending on your situation and your personnel. Let's talk upsets because that's what makes March Madness so special, right? I mean, you wrote an article for the Lions back in November about parity trending now in college basketball. You've talked about it here with us today. Uh, the opportunity for some long shots to surprise people in March. Sounds like you definitely feel like it's still wide open. Uh, how many teams have a legit shot 
at a title run this month? I got to tell you, you know, I normally used to say in the past, it was always every year five or six. And then once in a while, you might even say, well, geez, this year it's up to seven or eight. Maybe, you know, maybe you'd stretch it and say nine or 10. And that might've been stretching it a little bit, but you thought there was that many good teams that could, you know, that could, you know, get on a run and, and get all the way there and then win it. I got to tell you this year, I, it's crazy. It, it might be, even, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. I think there's got to be 15 to 20 teams that literally could probably certainly get to a final four. And I think they could, they could, they could survive all the way to, you know, winning a national title. I, it's just so uh, you could call it balance. You could call it parity. You could call it uh, watered down. You could call it, you know, just not enough, you know, superstars or greatness. A lot of the, you know, just the great players are, are just leaving and they're gone and they're out early. You know, you could look at it. A lot, some of the veteran great coaches have been around for years are kind of moving on now. And some of the great, great coaches that are around uh, are sort of becoming dinosaurs. There's only so many guys now, a handful of guys that are, you know, the Jim Calhoun type guys who's now coaching division three, but you know, Roy Williams, who's going to be out of the tournament this year. You'll have, you know, a Bayheim who's on the bubble, but you know, you have only so many guys that, you know, not saying young new coaches, just can't win it. You know, like Jay Wright proved himself, won two, two national titles and Tony Bennett, of course, but there's, you know, th- there's only so many guys like Tom Izzo that are around anymore, Bill Self, that, you know, have been there every year and used to it. So I think from a coaching standpoint, you've got a lot of like kind of mid-career guys that are, you know, that are sort of unproven when it comes to the tournament. You have a lot of guys that, you know, have never gone to final four runs and national championship runs that, you know, at some point are going to have to break through. And then you just have so much balance and so many that so many teams that just aren't that much better than everyone else. They're just, that's really what it comes down to. There's just, you know, you look at even the best teams, if you had to pick, you know, even the number one seeds and you said, well, Gonzaga, San Diego state, uh, Kansas, Baylor, maybe you go to the two line and you start talking about, you know, the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the Louisvilles and the, you know, there's what separates, I mean, that's seven or eight teams right there. I, I tell you what separates those teams from a team, let's say like Dayton, like I mentioned, or Creighton, who's having a very good year in the Big East. Uh, you know, Seton Hall is a little dangerous. Uh, Villanova, again, this year is, is, one, is one of Jay's best teams. He's very young, but he's got a very good team. He's got a nice team. They make threes. They, the, the kid Robinson Earl is a terrific uh, freshman, one of the best rookies in the, you know, the best freshman in the country. Um, you know, so I think I got to say this year, I'm going to say there's literally probably up to 15 teams maybe even more that could win the whole thing because I just think there's really no greatness. There's no dominance. And I just don't think there's anyone that's that much better than anyone else. No one is really head and shoulders above anyone else that I could see uh, around college basketball. And I did some NBA scouting this year for, for a couple teams. And I did a lot of reports and I mean, I saw just about everybody countless times and, uh, it's pretty amazing how, how really there's just, there's, it's just a fine line that separates uh, teams from, from one another. When we look at the betting favorites in, you know, the, the way that people are kind of approaching this right now, Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, Duke, Dayton, Louisville, Maryland, and Auburn, uh, actually Florida state and Kentucky come in at, at 20 to one or under as well. But everybody else as far as winning the national championship is, you know, longer odds than 20 to one. Is there any sort of under the radar team? You did mention Villanova as you were talking right there. Is there any sort of under the radar team that you do think is constructed well enough that could, that could make a run here and actually, because, you know, as we, as, as we keep saying, and, and you mentioned it several times that, you know, these top teams keep getting knocked off 
left and right. So, you know, one team getting hot running through the tournament uh, could possibly end up in a national championship. Is there any team that you think is constructed that could uh, make that type of run? You know, I'll tell you who I think could. The two, there's two teams from the Big East, I think, that you know that you didn't mention in that group that you just mentioned. Actually, I was going to mention Florida State, but you mentioned them, and, they, and they're a nice – I like them as a sleeper team. They really defend Patrick Williams, Leonard Hamilton. They got a good team. But, but two teams in the Big East that jump out right away that I don't think you mentioned are Creighton and Seton Hall. I think those two teams, because they have good guards, as I mentioned. Creighton has a kid, Tyson Alexander, who I think is terrific. Uh, Seton Hall's got a veteran guard, and Miles Powell, who can really score. I think those two teams are dangerous and could, you know, could be a sleeper type teams that could make a run to the final four that, that, you know, you didn't mention. I think that, uh, you know, when I look out, you know, at the big 10, you know, I, I think Iowa because of Luke Garza, who I mentioned, who's, you know, he could put them on his shoulders. He's as closest to a, a, a kind of a great big man in the country that, you know, could get in the tournament and kind of carry a team a little bit. I like Danny Manning years and years ago. Uh, so I think, you know, Iowa's a team. Um, I, I think that Colorado and Oregon are two teams out in the West Coast, in the Pac-12, that are, that are you know, Ted. Tad Boyle's done an incredible job with Colorado. I like the Oregon team. The guard Peyton Pritchard there is up for player of the year in college basketball. Terrific guard. Uh, Dana Altman, his, now he's one of the few guys that plays a unique style of play. He presses. They push the ball. They really try to outscore you. They average in the 80s. So I think you know Oregon is a, is a dangerous tournament team. So those would be some of the teams I think that you know, I would mention, I think you mentioned Dayton in that group. I believe I'm not sure if you didn't, if you didn't mention Dayton, I certainly, again, with Obi Toppin and the fact that, uh, as I mentioned, they have a veteran team coming out of the Atlantic 10 that, you know, really they're, they're normally would be considered almost like a mid major, uh, Atlantic 10 team, but now really, I guess they're kind of, you wouldn't really call them mid major anymore. They've been ranked all year and they're the best team in that league. And they probably would be considered, you know, a top 10 or 15 team now. But again, if you didn't mention, them, I think Dayton is another nice sleeper pick that you know could certainly you know beat the odds. I don't know. It's early. Conference tournaments tip off tomorrow. A lot can still happen. But here on March second, who is your favorite or maybe two favorites to win the NCAA tournament this year? You know, I'm going to go with two blue bloods, which I know isn't really going out on a list much. <laughs> But, you know, I just I love this Michigan State team with with Cassius Winston, the senior and Tom Izzo's team. I mean, I I know that, you know, they've been picked in the top. They were number one at one point. They were in the top three, four, five all year. But they're starting to play really good again. I just think that I, I love them. I just think they have everything it takes, depth, strength, size, great point guard, veteran leadership. Uh, and I think Kansas it's a tough one between Kansas and Baylor, but I, I got to pick Kansas. They went on the road and beat Baylor at Baylor. They're playing great basketball right now. As I mentioned, Devon Dotson, terrific point guard, the big guy, Azubuki, who did just recently tweak his ankle, but I don't, they don't think it's too serious. And he's, they got a wing guard named Ocha Agbali, if I could say his name correctly, kind of an African name. If I think he's a big key to their team. If he makes shots in the tournament, I could see Kansas winning the whole thing. So I'm going to say the two best teams in the country to me, uh, our Michigan State and Kansas. If I had to pick between those two, I might give Kansas, as much as I love Michigan State, I might give Kansas a slight edge just because I think Kansas has, you know, depth. They got a couple big guys. 
Uh, they got they got everything Kansas right now. They're they, you know, and I know some people have been down on Bill Self. They've had kind of a rough year. They had the Silvio D'Souza thing where he picked up the chair, and they've had you know the FBI thing going on going into the season. So you know he's had you know Bill Self's kind of been maligned, and they've had kind of a tough year in terms of off the court. But but I tell you they, they're playing great basketball. They're they, you know, and I know Bill Self in Kansas has had some great teams get knocked out of the tournament in the last so many years. So sometimes people are a little you know not as apt to pick them, and they think that you know they choke or they don't go as far but I think this is their year I, I really believe either Kansas or Michigan State's going to win the national championship you put a gun to my head although you mentioned it is early and uh you know last year I think my daughter did, who's 12 who's 13 years old did better than I did in the, in the brackets <laughs> so you know coaches coaches try to study everything and break everything down and look at analytics and do all this scientific stuff. And then all of a sudden people that pick the color that they like the, the mascot or they like the color of the uniforms sometimes do better than the guys that study it. Coach Bobby Gonzalez really do appreciate the time. Excellent, excellent insight on all of this stuff. And I'm sure we will uh, be trying to pick your brain again as we get closer to the final four here because it, it, I, I expect some actual true madness. We've called it, we call it March Madness. We love this time of year, but with the way things are set up this year, I think there actually will be some actual true madness this year in college hoops, and I cannot wait to see how it all plays out. Well, Brad, I, you know, I appreciate you guys having me. I, you know, to, 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 this is a little bit of a self-serving thing I'll end with is I was pretty good in the past with picking, you know, the, I had the one year when, uh, uh, Mercer beat Duke. I had that. It was, I think it was a 15, two or a 14, three. And then one year I way, way back when I had speaking of Kansas, I had when Bucknell, uh, beat Kansas. I think it was a 14, three. I, I picked both of those on national TV before they happened on CBS and, uh, you know, I, I, so I was uh, kind of known as the, the early, the early round whisperer, you know, back in the day, but it's getting harder and harder every year. And, and, and these upsets aren't as big of a deal anymore. You know, I never thought I'd see this, the 16 one. And of course we saw that with Maryland, Baltimore County and Virginia two years ago. And Virginia came back of course last year and, and, and uh, uh, you know, we, we had redemption, but, but, uh, it, 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 this year, I agree with you. I think it's going to be even harder to pick. Cause there's probably going to be so many that you, it's just going to be like, not even a big deal. It's going to be like, Oh yeah. You know, 14, three, no big deal. You know? So, uh, I agree with you and I, I appreciate you guys having me and I hope, uh, I hope the stuff I gave you was good. Thanks, Coach. Really do appreciate it. Brett, just an unbelievably awesome conversation. I mean, getting inside the mind of a guy who's been there, done that, a guy that, you know, not only not only is looking at this from a coaching perspective, but now taking a step back and kind of looking at this from an even bigger perspective, stuff that can help us as betters as well. Just an unbelievably great conversation and cool insight as we head into tournament season here. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like we get we get caught up in the numbers too often and we don't actually put ourselves into the game itself and the you know what these players are going through, what the coaches are going through. It's nice to have that perspective and insight from a guy who's been there before. So, yeah, I think these are things that you have to think about outside of just, you know, finding the best number. Find a team that's that's been there before and has you know leadership and experience and, and maybe, uh, you know, a style of play that you think will do well. Uh, in, in this tournament. So uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, I loved what Bobby said uh, through that entire interview. So let's talk about how we are looking at this right now. You said that you have put a couple of bets in your account. What are what are you holding right now? And is there anything is there anything else that you're eyeballing? Yeah, I have four in my account right now. I said I've been kind of uh, going after teams that have favorable numbers versus the market. So I've got 
Louisville, San Diego State, Creighton, and Arizona State Final Four and National Championship bets. I got Creighton at 100 to one to win the national championship last month. They're now at 30, so I love that one. I'm crushing the market there, and I'll be adding BYU today. I love a team that can shoot the three. They got a great inside-outside uh, connection there. Um, mostly just betting numbers so far. Uh, BYU is probably going to be my biggest play. I love what I'm seeing out of that team, and uh, I like them to win to upset Gonzaga in their in their conference tournament as well. Um, I, I just I love teams that can shoot because if you, if you fall behind early, you can always shoot your way back into a game. And, and Bobby talked about some of these sleeper teams that are going to be you know 13, 14 seeds that are able to shoot the rock and, and keep themselves in games against some of these better teams. So I think teams that shoot the three well uh, are certainly ones that uh, I think can be sneaky and, and you can pr- get pretty good odds on some of these teams as well. Yeah, the only team I have anything on, I do have Michigan State to win it all. I got it when they were just basically at the very bottom of the the bin there. I got it at 35 to one. Nice. Now it's sitting at 25 to one. It was just a team that I, I honestly did had not done an incredible amount of research on it was just to me a team that was ranked so incredibly highly coming into the season that had so much hype coming into the season and to start out as poorly as they did to fall as badly as they did I just assumed that there was something there that just wasn't showing up yet so I like kind of like you said I just I just bet a number on a team that other people were telling me was super talented you're never going to catch me try and say that I can evaluate college basketball players right I mean that's not that's not a strong suit of mine so I'm never going to say that I'm a college basketball scout. There's there's I'm certainly not. But, um, you know, everyone else who does that for a living was still talking about, you know, how talented the team was and how much they had disappointed. And so basically for me, I just kind of looked at it and said, all right, well, if all these people who do this for a living are telling me that this team is still incredibly talented, they're just whatever, for whatever reason, stumbled out of the gate here, uh, probably presented a little bit of value. And so, you know, again, I didn't beat it by a ton. We're looking at 25 to one right now over at DraftKings. I have a 35 to one, but uh, as a team, as a team that, you know, can probably put something together and make a run as we get into a tournament type situation, I don't feel terrible about it. But I feel like if they make a run here in the big 10 tournament, or yeah, big 10 tournament, that's a team that could be like 12, 15 to one going into the tournament because people are going to be betting them. They're like, like Bobby said, they're a blue Blue Blood for, uh, franchise and Tom Izzo and f- like a bunch of scrubs could make a run in the tournament. They're just there every single year. It doesn't matter. So I, I, I'm shocked that they were all the way down to 35 to one. That's that's a great number for. Yeah, for, it didn't uh, last. Uh, I think it only lasted three or four days or something yeah. like that. Um, and there were probably a lot of people who just went in thinking about it the same way I did. Just kind of like, all right, well, I'm betting this strictly based off of a number and, and absolutely nothing. Uh, no other reason to 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 bet it. Um. You know, one of the things people are going to do, too, is is take a lot, take a part in these bracket contests. Everybody has one, whether it's with your friends, your people at work, whatever it might be. So these bracket contests going to get going all around. What is your strategy when you head into these? I think the biggest like one for me is just know if at all possible, know your opponents. Are you betting people who are are you are you getting into a pool with people who are sharp? Or are you getting into some with people at your office and you know that they don't know anything at all about college basketball. Because to me, if you can, if you have an idea of who your competition is, then that plays a big role in how you go about filling out your bracket. 100%. Look, if you're playing the, the Yahoo winner, take all $1 million contest, do something unique, do something that nobody else is doing. Cause that's really the only, the only chance you have of winning that thing. But if you're in a pool with like 15 people at work, 
you can be a little more conservative and and pick the teams that you actually like Absolutely. and use use your advantage your knowledge to to, to your advantage uh, that way. So yeah, there there are different ways to attack it, and we'll have a lot of content about that coming up at Play Picks and the Lines in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's it really comes down to it. It's a game within the game. You're not just looking at teams and picking winners. You're, it's it's a peer to peer contest, and you and you're kind of it's a lot like DFS. You're you're trying to figure out what other people are going to be doing and adjusting around that. Yeah, if you're in the the biggest piece of advice I can give is if you're in a, a contest with a bunch of people who you know are at very best casual fans and probably less than that, uh, just go chalky. Like just just go chalky because yeah. they're always they're going to pick every 12 over a five. They're going to pick every 10 over a seven. They're going to pick. it's just the way it's just the way that b- their minds are programmed and they're going to hear the statistics because everyone's going to talk about how 12 wins every single year and, and all that. So uh, you literally don't have to do anything crazy to differentiate your bracket from theirs. All you got to do is basically pick the five, pick the better teams, pick the higher rated teams a lot of times in some of those like upset matchups. And you will have already differentiated yourself from those guys because that's just a thing that everyone knows now. And so everyone does it. It's always the 12s over the fives. It's always the 11s over the sixes and the 10s over the sevens and stuff like that. And so you you basically can just be a little bit more chalky, Brett, and you can and, and which is weird and make yourself different, different from the rest of your uh, com- opponents there. Yeah. Imagine going chalk and being different than everybody yeah. else. That's that's a beautiful thing. And definitely look at the lines, too, because, I mean, everybody wants to be the genius who picks a 12 over five. But there are spots where a five is a huge favorite over a 12. You should never be picking a 12 straight up in a bracket contest uh, in that case. So there are some where it's it's, you know, a two point spread or even less. So uh, pick wisely uh, when, when going after some first round upsets. No, absolutely. And. Guys, um, as always, and Brett even alluded to it a little bit, there's going to be just a, a massive amount of content about all of this over at the lines and over at Play Picks. So be sure and head over there early and often. I mean, we are already starting to put up some some power rankings and different things at the sites, and we will have insight into, as we talk about strategy for different bracket contests, all the different contests that are going to be available out there as well. We will certainly have stuff on the lines and play picks. I imagine, Brad, I mean, we saw this last year. I can only imagine we'll see it this year. I imagine there will be several different contests available at the various sports books over on the East Coast for our friends that live over there to be able to take advantage of. So uh, we'll certainly break down those as well. But I can't, I cannot imagine DraftKings and FanDuel and even PointsBet and some of these other sites not having some very interesting ways to go about tackling the tournament betting. We haven't. So, okay. So last year, FanDuel and DraftKings had huge free bracket contests. We haven't confirmed them yet this year, but like you said, I imagine they will be back. Those are must plays. Sign up for account. It's free. And then just fill out your bracket and you're in the running for free money. Um, You can't pass it up. So yeah, we'll, we'll be keeping people updated on what exactly is out there. The best free bracket contest to play DraftKings. Last year had a really good uh, for money bracket contest in New Jersey. We'll see what they are offering maybe outside of New Jersey, hopefully this year as well. So, uh, man, it's going to be exciting. I I love March. I don't follow college basketball all that closely until February. So I'm just I'm happy that we're here. I know it's uh, and and the other thing I guess we should also mention just the um, there also be the spring sports betting championship that is happening as well. If you wanted to get involved with that. 
uh, DraftKings is putting on the it's a basketball only betting championship. And so whenever you uh, take a look, it's the 19th through the 22nd over in New Jersey. And it's the same kind of deal as it was for the football one. there's a buy in. Some of that money goes to a prize pool. Some of that money stays in your account as a live bankroll in the person at the end of the uh, in the end of the time frame there with the most money in their bankroll is going to be the winner. And of course, you get to keep that money on top of the money that you win in the contest as well. That is going on again, uh, the 19th through the 22nd. You can go over to DraftKings and you can take a look at all the uh, the details there. But it's a five hundred thousand dollar top prize, five thousand dollar buy in and two thousand that will go towards your live bankroll, Brett, you and I were both out there for the last version of this when it was uh, when it was all sports, all everything. This is just the basketball only version. You can only bet on the NBA and college hoops. But hey, look, I think it's interesting. They're calling it the spring championship because they're going to have a fall championship as well. That's going to be around football season. So, uh, you know, this gives somebody who maybe uh, fancies themselves a basketball kind of uh, specialist to go in and, and, and win some big money. Yeah, if you are, this is your event. It covers the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, NBA as well. So I mean, this is a this is a basketball betters dream, right? This is the this is the event. So yeah, if you follow basketball super closely, you bet on it all all season long. Uh, I, I would definitely check out this event in New Jersey. There'll be some content on uh, the lines and play picks as well. Looking at uh, the DraftKings Spring Sports Betting Championship, so be sure and take a look at those uh, articles whenever those come out as well. Well, again, a special thanks to Coach Bobby Gonzalez for stopping by. Awesome insight there. And Brett, uh, I only imagine we can, the only thing we can do here is let everybody know that there will be tons of basketball content. And I imagine that basketball content will start pouring in here over the next couple of days. Yeah, we're going to have all hands on deck covering every angle possible over the next several weeks. Uh, Next week, I would like to have another guest who is tapped into college basketball betting can offer another unique perspective to get people up to speed uh, before round one tips off. Uh, Would like to talk to some odds makers, too, about where money is coming in, big bets, how odds are, are moving and why they're moving, that kind of stuff. So a lot to cover here leading up to March Madness. And uh, we're going to be we're going to be all over it at the lines.com. As always, guys, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, go in, subscribe, rate, review, give us the five stars, let everybody know that you enjoy the pod at the Lines US, at PlayPix US, if you want to follow us on Twitter. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>